<laughs> Greetings, citizens. You're now trapped in a nerd cage with your hosts, Mark and Jay. We hope you have a smashing good time. <laughs> if you have not watched Wonder Woman 84 yet, do not listen to this audio only. If you don't mind being spoiled, then go ahead. This is a spoiler uh, discussion of Wonder Woman 84. That being said, hello and welcome. That is right. You are trapped in Nerd Cage Live. This ain't just a reaction show, but a debate show and a live discussion on everything that makes people like you and I tick. So thank you for joining us tonight. Please hit that like button and subscribe. I'm your co-host, Jay St. G, coming to you live from Syracuse, New York, and always with me, the warrior from Wakanda, the fiend from Louisville, my man, Mark Withers. What's shaking, man? Hey, what's going on, man? And Merry Christmas and Merry Day After Christmas to everyone. I have been very excited to watch this new Wonder Woman movie. And now that it's out on HBO Max, you and I have both had a chance to kind of take a look at this. Let's dig in, man. Let's talk yeah. about this. Spoilers and all. You know, what did you think about this movie? Again, uh, if anyone hasn't seen our rapid review video, go ahead and check that out. Um, I like the movie. It, 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 I, I gave it a solid 7.5 out of 10. I'm still processing it. Uh, again, I liked it a lot, but I have this movie has its problems and I have my nitpicks. And for the love of me, I cannot put this movie above the first one. But this is still one of the better movies of 2020. And then, you know, this, I feel like this was the movie we needed this holiday and for this year for that matter. And I'm hoping this is going to lead, you know, I'm really looking forward to this whole HBO Max movie lineup moving forward. But yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed the film, but not without its problems, man. So, Mark, what you got? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I really wanted to love this movie. I mean, as anybody who knows me knows, I'm a huge Wonder Woman fan. I have been ever since I was five years old. I was incredibly stoked to see this movie, but it really kind of fell flat for me. Um, I didn't like it as much as I wanted to. I didn't hate it and I didn't think it was a bad film, but I expected a little bit more out of Patty Jenkins, especially yeah, we're after the movie. Very, very high standards. Yeah, so. Especially after the movie she gave us in 2017. I was blown away by that. And I really thought we were gonna get a continuation of, of that level of, of excitement with this, but I just didn't really feel like it was, it was there 100%. Yeah, uh, to tag on to what you just said, like for me, the first half of the movie was really good. It had still had some problems there, but the opening scene, the opening flashback and everything else, that first half of the movie was damn solid. And for whatever reason, the second half of the movie, I just feel like, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I feel like the, I wasn't watching the same movie during the, the second half. I agree. I mean, that was, you know, I think you nailed it. I think that for me, it really felt almost like two different movies. Like the first part of it, you know, especially with the whole 80s vibe of it, the whole mm -hmm. feel of, of 1984, as someone who was very much alive and conscious during that <laughs> era, I think that they nailed it. I think they really yeah. did a good job of sort of bringing that year to life and bringing the energy that came from the 80s, that sense of excess, the, the bright colors, the, the fun aspect of it. I think they yeah. really did an excellent job of that. Um, I think the action was really strong in those particular scenes early on, mm -hmm. but that 
somewhere in the second or or third act, it sort of becomes almost a different movie for me. Just the, even the even the color palette changes a little bit yeah. to where it just it it has a completely different feel, and it kind of yeah. threw me off. It felt a little unbalanced. And I want to point out, I love the color palette in this movie. What they use in this instead of the first one. The first one had like a dark, you know, vibe that you know it was World War One, a little bit more somber. Right. Whereas this one was bright, you know, bright like my goddamn hair. Like it was bright, <laughs> and like you know, colorful and vivid. Like okay, this this does feel like you know a contrast. This does feel like the '80s, you know, Diana in the '80s, which was right. cool. Enough. Now let, let's let's get right into it. When Steve Trevor returns, okay, so we find out. Uh, he's brought back, I mean, this was leaked out there long before the movie came out, that he was brought back by the artifact, the stone that right. grants wishes from the gods there. Here, here's a, the one problem. I look, when Steve Trevor came back, it was awesome. And I, I was laughing, you know, when he was adjusting to, you know, being in the 80s and all that. But I, I had one major problem uh, when, when he first comes out. You know, she asked, what was the last thing you remember? Or, oh, I remember being in the air and this, this and that. Wouldn't you think the first thing he would say to Diana, what happened with the war? What happened after I died? Like, what happened? Right. He didn't say anything about the right. end of the war or anything right. that happened post-World War One. That bothered me because I thought that would have been the first thing he'd want to know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I thought about that, too. I, th I thought that, you know, very, you know, I, what it reminded me of was sort of the the scenes in in the end of captain america and sort of the beginning of the avengers i guess where steve rogers kind of wakes up in this sort of fake hospital that's set up by shield and the very first thing he asks is like well what happened like did we win like you know what i mean like but steve trevor never thinks to ask that maybe he just assumes because of where he is and how things are that okay yeah. well we obviously won but i would still it, you know, if I time jumped, you know, yeah. 65 years, I would want to know like, well, what happened in that 65 years? And he doesn't really ever bother to ask that. He only ever mm -hmm. asks about the aesthetics of like how things look and how people are dressed. Yeah, I, I just, it just I felt that, yeah, I found that a little off-putting. Like, yeah. I mean, I thought, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe if they were just thinking, maybe, they, maybe I'm wondering if there's gonna be like a deleted scene that will get in the Blu-ray eventually that like, Maybe there were scenes that will explain him asking. Well, like I said, and maybe they just didn't want to like recap the whole first movie. I don't know, but like I just saw, like I said, if it was me, if I was okay, if I was Steve Trevor and I went out the way I did, and then I woke up finding myself, you know, seventy years later. I mean, like I said, I would want to ask, like, well, what happened to, to this so and so and so and so and Etta and everybody else? What happened with the war? Like, what happened? Like, I mean, right. I would have so many questions for Diana. Like, you know, and Diana is a wealth of knowledge. I mean, she's been alive for so long, and I just find it really weird that they just kind of glossed over that. Right. Well, they did show that picture of Diana and, and an older Etta yes. in her apartment. And I was kind of expecting to see an older version of Etta Candy mm -hmm. um, somewhere in, in at least one scene and maybe have, you know, her and Steve Trevor, like a scene where there's where they reunite and they kind of talk. But that, you know, unfortunately, we didn't get that. Yeah, no, one thing I, I do appreciate what this what you just mentioned, I'm so glad you mentioned it, because this is one thing I did appreciate about this movie. One of the problems I did have with the first film, I won't call it a problem, but, like, Etta Candy was supposed to be Diana's, like, best friend. Right. Like, and we never really got that relationship in the first movie at all. Right. They they were just together, you know, and obviously in the beginning there where she was trying on the dresses and all, all that. 
at least in this movie, when we see that picture of an older Etta, I'm like, okay, great. So they established that she kept her relationship with her after the war and this, this, and that. So I appreciate they at least did that in this movie. I agree. I agree. I just wish that we had gotten a little bit more of that character. I mean, even just a single scene with her in it would have been great. I think it would have kind of added something to the story, but unfortunately we didn't get it. Maybe we'll get it in a deleted scene though, like you said. Yeah, now going to, I guess we can switch gears a little bit here. Let's go Let's go to Kristen Wiig. I thought she knocked it out of the park. I mean, I'm so used to seeing her in comedies. So I've never really seen her in a serious, I wouldn't call this a serious role, but like, a non-comedic action. Role. Yeah, more of yeah, a non-comedic role. I really liked the fact that uh, she had a, like a, a friendship with Diana. I thought that was really, really cool. And I, like I said, I sympathized with her. Like she didn't want to be this dorky gal. She wanted to be, you know, like Diana. She wanted the, you know, she wanted attention. She wanted, you know, she wanted to be strong. She wanted to be able to do, you know, she wanted to be Diana. I really liked that the the envious that they they threw in there. And we kind of, this is what I appreciate about this movie more than the first one, uh, and with both villains. But we see a proper story arc for both characters, especially Cheetah, where she started off as this lovable, likable, dorky gal. Right. And then we saw her become this unlikable person, this uh, heartless person, this, this mean-spirited person, and just became power-hungry and just loved you know, the, the sheer power and she wanted more and more and more and it corrupted her. I really, I love that aspect. That's one thing this movie nailed better than the first one. See, I, I, I will disagree with you to a certain aspect. Um, I really didn't like this origin for Cheetah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I thought that it was, I think, I thought that it made, it, it sort of cheapened the sort of Barbara Minerva character that I'm familiar with in the comics. Mm -hmm. And all of the supporting characters around her seemed very two-dimensional. They seemed very much like, okay, well, this person is a dork and I'm not attracted to this person and therefore I have every right to treat her like garbage. But now, after a day where she's totally dressed differently, she's carrying herself differently, she seems wittier, now I like her and now I'm gonna do everything that I can to please her. I think that that, in my opinion, it, it's it's sort of a failure in character development. We don't see any gradual development of her uh, as far as like the corrosive aspects of her character, as far as like, well, you know, we know that the, the stone takes away something from you. And in her case, it took away her, her humanity. Humanity, well, yeah. In everyone else, it kind of took away what it was taking away gradually. Like with Diana, it's gradually taking away her powers, gradually taking away her strength. You and know, with what movie, what other DC movie that we reviewed not that long ago did they rip, shamelessly rip a page out of? Obviously Superman 2. Thank you. Know, you. Like, I, I did not want to say that in our, <laughs> I didn't want to say that in our regular review because I didn't want to spoil. If I said, oh yeah, this takes a page off Superman 2, I would have spoiled the whole movie. Right, right. But, you know, but but you get what I'm saying. I mean, it's yeah. like, you know, with even with Maxwell Lord, you know, like what it takes away from him is his health and his life force, but it's all gradual. And with, yeah. with Kristen Wiig's character, with, with Barbara, it's like one minute she is like the kindest person in the world. And then when she gets her abilities, well, now she's a jerk. Now she's like, you know, Peter Parker and Spider-Man 3. 
you know, and and I just didn't really appreciate that. I thought that that yeah, could have but been the thing is when, a when, little bit better. It, but when when person gets power, it, it it corrupts a person. Like if you give someone, someone not everyone should you know Diana is is worthy of her powers because of the person that she is. Right. Kristen wasn't the same for Kristen Wiig because when she gets you know power in the desire to be liked and desire to be able to do what she wants with her strength and everything like it changes her the power changed i, I that's why i liked it that's i just i, yeah. I understand yeah. you said it ruins the, the character and whatnot but i i like how they executed that personally yeah i just thought they could have dug a little bit deeper i mean it, it i didn't just ruin thought my, my only but... thing was like wasn't like in the comics please correct me if i'm wrong but in the comics doesn't she wasn't it like an experiment that went wrong well, there's different iterations, but yeah, that's the most modern uh, interpretation of it. Is that yeah? See, the, like I, I, I was kind of hoping that like she was gonna experiment on herself to make her more even more powerful, which right. was, which caused her to become you know the cheetah that we know. But that's what I expected too. That's what I that's that's what I was expecting. But instead, it was because it was all the wishes and everything from the, around the world that made her more powerful. Ah. I did. I, did, I kind of didn't like that. I was kind of hoping that she was going to experiment on herself to make her even more powerful or whatever. Because right. they at least they did acknowledge that she was a zoologist and a whole other you know other stuff that she studied and whatever. I'm like, I'm like, damn, missed opportunity. I I really thought she was going to experiment on herself to make her more powerful. I really that's what I was expecting at the end. But yeah, no, and that's kind of what I what I had hoped was that they would do something to make this cheetah aspect of her being sort of like an anthropomorphic cheetah mm-hmm. that that would be something that was permanent so that we don't get me wrong that the, the cheetah was awesome i mean i thought oh, yeah i mean i i i i know with the with, when she was fighting the the cgi looked a little off but for, but for the most part like when the but all the other shots of cheetah and how she moved and how she looked she looked freaking rad i yeah. i really like i really liked how she looked and i thought I know people complain they don't like seeing in the DC movies these these villains in the dark and whatever, but in this aspect, I thought it was the right move to have Cheetah come out at night so that way, you know, the, the bright, vibrant Cheetah didn't look weird in the daytime. Right. I actually like the fact that they fought in the dark, personally. Right, right, and I can agree with that. I think that, you know, anytime you're doing any like CG heavy type stuff, it always works better in a darker setting with darker mm-hmm. colors. And and so I think that was 100% the right move. I, I didn't really have a ton of issues with how Cheetah looked. In fact, the close-up shots of Kristen Wiig, you know, as the full-blown Cheetah, I thought looked absolutely great, you know? Um, it was just more just the way that she got those powers and, yeah. and and how that was sort of fleshed out. I wish they had done that a little differently because, you know, if it if everything comes off of the wish fulfillment, I mean, mm-hmm. you're not really allowing that character a future, you know. In, That's within, what I was going to get into. Yeah, within, within the DCEU. She loses her powers completely. Right. And that let me down because I was—I kept thinking in the back of my mind. I kept thinking, "Oh my God, I really hope Cheetah survives this movie, and it leads to a Legion of Doom." Because, you know, we we, we all saw the, the the Legion of Doom post-credit scene in the the Josh Whedon Justice League, right? And people were wondering, "Well, is Zack Snyder going to scrap that?" He's not. We right. already know that Joe Maganello and Jared Leto's Joker are going to be in the Zack Snyder Justice League. And, I, and all I kept thinking to myself, oh my God, 
maybe we'll maybe they're gonna they're gonna start you know throwing easter eggs out there that there could be a legion of doom why not have kristen wiggs survive this movie you know i'm not saying for her to make an appearance in justice league but i'm saying like they, they have an opportunity to form the full-blown legion of doom as we know it and yeah. now if we do get that we're not going to get cheetah right i, I mean and, and how cool would it have been if we were to get that um yeah. interestingly enough i i did read an article uh that ign posted uh if not yesterday it was a couple days ago uh where they kind of talked about what the ending of this movie could mean for flashpoint and what it could mean for future uh dceu movies and one thing that they pointed out was that there's a possibility that not everybody rescinded their wish and maybe some of the people who didn't rescind their wish actually turned out to be metas and and sort of like oh. that's sort of how the how the wow. how the metaverse sort of starts you know and so what if you know, according to the article, of course, they're saying, well, you know, she no longer has like the full blown cheetah look, but what if she still has cheetah's powers? What if she didn't rescind that wish? And maybe in yeah. the future we see that version of cheetah alongside like a giganta and a yeah. long shadow and like other DC universe villains. That's a good point. And this was, I was I'm glad, I'm glad you brought this up because I, I personally felt like that this movie I mean, I mean, it all could change, like you just said from the IGN article, but I felt like after I watched this movie, I like, this movie doesn't change anything in the DCEU. Like, you could pluck this movie out of the DCEU and it doesn't change anything. They didn't leave anything for us, as far as we know. They didn't right. leave anything for us that would affect Diana moving forward, would affect, you know, the future of the DCEU, Batman, Superman, right. and all of them, the Justice League. There's nothing in this movie, th no, th this movie didn't bring anything to the table that would move the DCEU moving forward. I mean, at least, I know you hate Birds of Prey, but at least Birds of Prey gave us, they gave us a, uh, a Huntress and a Black Canary. Right. So, you know, we may very possibly see these characters come back in another movie. But in this Wonder Woman 84, there's nothing they could bring back. There's nothing that um, would change the narrative moving forward. So I just feel like this movie was just was just like filler. Look at, looking at the whole DCEU catalog, chronologically speaking, I feel like this was just filler. Right, right. And that may have been by design. I mean, I remember reading articles where they were talking about, you know, not relying so heavily on a shared cinematic universe and that, you know, maybe when they were sort of writing Wonder Woman 84, the idea was that, okay, by the time this comes out, maybe these will all be standalone universes. And so I think that may have been the plan is to just like, let's not connect this so heavily with okay. the events of Batman versus Superman. And yeah, but Zack Snyder had his hands on this movie. He produced this. He was one of the, him and Deborah Snyder were producers on this sure. movie. And sure. and I read an, an interview just a few days ago that Zack Snyder and Patty Jenkins have been collaborating this whole time with right. every movie. So, right. I, I mean, okay, so th that's just another problem. Now, let's get into the other stuff I had problems with. I had, I'm sorry, I had a major problem. I hated the invisible jet scene. Really? I actually I liked it. it. I hate it. Here's because, okay, look, I like, I appreciate that they found an excuse to have Diana in an invisible. I, I, I okay. Right. The problem is I hate the fact that it's like, she's just, just, oh, I remember this power. My father taught me I could turn stuff invisible. Hold on. I don't right. know if I can do it. That came out of nowhere. Right. It right. came out of nowhere. It, it was. I was like, "Come on, dude." <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't Actually, get. Actually, 
I actually like the origin of that quite a bit. I thought that, um, uh, you know, if you're going to introduce an in invisible jet, it, you have to have some origin for it. Like, why would the ther why would the Themyscirans have a jet? Period. You know, like they wouldn't. Yeah. So you would have to you would have to have this jet exist somewhere in the modern world, uh, like separate from Themyscira. And then how would you make it invisible? You know, what I mean, like she wouldn't if it was but invisible. They never to start with, how would she find invisibility it? powers? Like it just came out of nowhere. I didn't yeah. like that. I yeah I I and I hear you I hear you but if you're gonna have an invisible jet I think that the that setup is pretty much the only way you're gonna do it and and to have the the reasoning behind that be that oh we need to evade radar well okay well here's this here's this trick that I that I figured out a long time ago but I've only ever used it with a coffee cup <laughs> like so yeah I, I, I get what, you're what? Saying, but... like <laughs> yeah I understand like. You know, the Invisible Jet was like a staple mark in Wonder Woman's origins and, and, and you know, the original comic timeline. Mm -hmm. I get that. It just, just felt so off-putting. But what was even more off-putting for me right, was her learning to fly. I didn't like that. I didn't like how she was flying at the end of the movie. I just, yeah. I, no. It, it didn't make sense at all because... Why didn't she fly in, you know, in Batman versus Superman, Justice in Justice League? Like, she, we saw her like jump, like you know, against Doomsday. She had like super jumps and whatever. Right. But I, I didn't like the fact that they gave her the all of a sudden they gave her the ability to fly. It just felt weird, and it even it didn't even look right. I'm sorry. When she was like using the lasso on the clouds and then on the lightning, that shit was dope. Right. I would have been cool. I'm cool with that. If she if she wants to like you know you know use the power of the gods to swing on the lightning to, right. to help her transport faster you know and further, I can mm -hmm. get behind that. But the fact that she just started to fly and you can hear, oh, I I learned see I love you know you hear Steve Trevor say, oh yeah, I've mastered the way the way to handle the wind and blah blah blah, and then just like oh come on, I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't like it, I didn't like that or the invisible jet, I'm sorry, it right. was just so it was just so it felt so off right. from the rest of the movie. Right, right. I had smaller problems with that than I did with the armor. Like I that was my big pet peeve. I felt like the golden armor served no real purpose. Like like it didn't help her do anything that she couldn't do for herself anyway. And it was like almost like an excuse because the Kingdom Come are I mean that that armor exists in toys. the Kingdom Come. Well, yeah, it's that, but I, it's an homage to the Kingdom Come comic book where she wears golden armor in that. But it doesn't really have any function, like like it didn't help her to to become more powerful. It didn't help her to defeat Cheetah. Like it was just basically this superfluous thing to kind of uh, create a, a slightly different look for the character. And I just didn't really think that it was needed. Uh. I guess, see, the, the golden armor didn't bother me. <laughs> I thought, in fact, I thought it was cool. Um, and, well, remember, they did kind of make, you know, reference to it in the beginning of the film when they had those competitions with, uh, and whatever. Right. Uh, so, and by the way, I, I love that, that, that Themyscira uh, yeah. flashback. That was really, that was really, really, really well executed. And it was yeah. really cool that, that that same little girl came back, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was a nice little uh, shout out to the original origin, you know, for anybody who doesn't really know 
Um, in the original story that Marston wrote, Steve Trevor finds himself shipwrecked on Themyscira with the Amazonians. And there's a contest to decide who's going to take Steve Trevor back to America and back to his world. And Diana secretly enters this contest as a masked competitor and beats everyone. And then it's only after she's won that Olympics, if you can call it that, it's only after she's won that everybody realizes, oh, this is the princess. Yeah. So it was nice that they that they had that type of a scene in there as sort of an homage to Marston's original uh, yeah. origin story, but they changed it a little bit because, you know, the, the events of the first film don't yeah. line up with that, so. Okay, I guess we could shift gears to Maxwell Lord. Um, Pedro Pascal, I thought was great. Um, and it's also, you know, I still think it's really rad that our uh, our friend Joey Z has a connection to him. So um, <laughs> that, 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 it was really cool. And that was, that was kind of, and listen, I've never watched The Mandalorian. So this was really like um, my first, you know, true taste of seeing him in the major film. Speaking of Pedro Pascal, did you know this? So do you do you remember that Wonder Woman TV series pilot that was supposed to come out like a decade ago? Sure, with uh, Adrian Padalecki, I think her name is. Yeah, Pedro Pascal was was in that show. Really, I didn't yes. know that. Yes. Wow. So he already shocked. had the yeah, Wonder yeah, Woman. Yeah, I was just. Yeah, yeah, because I was watching. Um, what's that podcast I like so much? There, the, the Weekly Planet. So the right. Weekly Planet did their caravan of garbage, uh, mm -hmm. leading up to Wonder Woman, and they talked about the Wonder Woman. Um, you know, failed pilot and whatever. And yeah, Pedro Pascal was a major character in there. And I'm like, oh my God. So this was actually his second time in a Wonder Woman related project. That's awesome. That's good to know. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he was, uh, I, I, I liked his character again. Again, going back to the, uh, that this movie has, we have a, a villain arc, a proper arc that we never got in the first movie that they failed miserably with Ares. Um, I, I love the fact we see this this character kind of like fall from grace and that he was power hungry. He wanted all the wishes and everything. I I, I loved it. And 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 and, and then the, the fact and then at the end where he you know says I want my son back. And, oh, I loved it. What what a great performance. I know I know he was he was a bad guy, but again it was you can kind of sympathize for him a little bit because he just wanted to make his son proud. He just wanted, his company was failing. He wanted to succeed. But again, the power hungry man, the, it corrupts him. And I, I loved his story. I, I thought he was a great villain. I really like the actor. I'm a big Pedro Pascal fan. I have been mm -hmm. ever since Narcos, um, you know, and of course, you know, I really enjoy his performance as Din Djarin in, in The Mandalorian. Um, but I felt like his character missed the mark a little bit. I think he performed it wonderfully. Yes, but absolutely. I thought that there were a couple of things within his story that didn't work that well for me. If the caveat of this wish fulfillment is that you lose something, you lose the thing that is the dearest to you, then what he would have lost is his son, not his health. And so I had a, it's not that I had a big problem, like it didn't ruin the movie for me, but I felt like it was a missed opportunity for um, dramatic impact, for his son not to be directly affected by the choices that his father has made 
for this sort of semblance of greatness. Yeah. And so, so yeah, so I, I think that that's one of the, you know, if we're talking nitpicks, that would be one of mine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I can agree. I'm not gonna, like I said, I'm not, I'm not gonna knock your opinion. I just, I, don't, I, I guess maybe I was, I loved the performance so much that it didn't get to me really. Yeah. I just feel like this, what this movie succeeded where the first one failed was the villain story arc. So I feel like we, we've got two proper arcs to villains that we can sympathize for and root against. And you're rooting right. for Diana. Like, uh, I, I, I was okay with it. Now, back to the Superman 2 thing. So Diana was losing her powers. Here's the thing. Again, going back to the emotional <laughs> weight. Again, they ripped off Superman 2. Again, this is just this movie just proves that Superman 2 is always going to test the, the testament of time. Absolutely. And more and more movies are going to... I bet you 10, 20, 30 years down the road, more movies, more comic films are going to rip off Superman 2. This one blatantly did. Right. Uh, the Steve Trevor thing. First and foremost, how did you feel... But we're going back to Steve Trevor. How did you feel about Steve Trevor like taking over the person's body and only Diana could really see Steve Trevor. What'd you, what'd you think of that? Honestly, I hated it. I had a real problem with it and here's why. All right. So if the idea is that Steve Trevor wakes up in this body that isn't his and uh, he sort of usurped a life that isn't his, what happens to that uh, personality? What happens to that like person? You know what I mean? Do they just and his family and friends life? too? Right. Yeah. I mean, he he had a life and, you know, what has happened to that guy, you know what I mean? And, and, and all the people around him. Does no one ever visit him? Did he not have a job that no one like called him and like wondered where he was? And like, you know, like these are like these these unanswered questions that I guess it doesn't destroy the movie, but I couldn't help but think yeah. about these throughout the film. Like it seems it, it seems anathema to what Diana would be. Like if she actually wished for this and, you know, inadvertently wished for it, but it happened, it would at least occur to her that like, this isn't right because this is actually a living person like that actually yeah. exists. And it's unfair for me to take that person's life just so that I can have this other person who legitimately yeah. died years ago. So I just did, it didn't really work for me. I wish they had found another way to bring him back. Yeah, if, if it was me in the writer's chair or the director's chair, I would have been like, I would have had Diana like wake up in bed and Steve Trevor just happen to be right just there next to Just be there. Him. Yeah. yeah. And then she would have she would have gone out and got him clothes, got him this, this, and that. I think that would have been better. Now, here's the thing. This is why this movie didn't carry the same emotional weight for me. Again, props to Gal Gadot and, and, and Chris Pine for their great performances. And again, tear-jerking moments. But... That scene in the first movie where Diana, you don't, you don't hear what Steve Trevor says to Diana before he dies, and then and then afterwards you, you hear it. Right. That was really powerful, and and it still to this day gives me the feels. It didn't work the same, nowhere near the same in in this film when she when she finally when Steve's like, listen, Diana, you have to go. You know what you got to do. You're you know you're gonna have to go. You know, and she you know, and then she just leaves it here and runs away, and then starts getting her powers back. It didn't resonate the same. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think that that scene could have worked if it was placed in a different part of the story. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? And, and this is just me playing, you know, Monday morning quarterback or whatever. Yeah. But if they had taken that same scene with the same lines and 
made that somewhere either right before or during her fight with Cheetah, where yeah. she's like limited in her abilities. And or then or he's dying like, or something. Dying, right. Like very close to being defeated. And then he's like, this is the only way it's going to work. Like, and then just he's gone. And then, you know, she suddenly gets her abilities back. That would have packed a much bigger punch, in my opinion, than the yeah. way that they did it. I mean, the way they did it still works, but it wasn't yeah. but that, as, not the same yeah. as the first yeah. one did. Like, yeah. you know, because there was more at stake. Like he was, you know, he had to blow up this plane that very well could have gave the Germans the, you know, the, the, the win in World right. War One. Right. And he was the only one who could stop it. And it just, oh man, it was, yeah. just gave me the feels. It was so well executed. There was more at stake and it just, that, that just in this, in this movie, it just didn't work twice. It just didn't carry that same weight. Well, yeah, like I was saying in the in the spoiler-free discussion, I think the stakes were different, and because they gave you a sense that the stakes were much bigger, that this sense of self-sacrifice was that much more um, powerful. And I think that you could have, again, you could have gotten that same sense yeah. if he had, if this self-sacrifice was maybe to save Diana's life or maybe something close to that you know yeah. you know if you'd had the you know where he's just like making the ultimate sacrifice because he loves her or something like you know yeah. what i mean it would have been a completely different reaction i think and and it, it would have been a much bigger scene than what it ended up being yeah okay okay i feel like i've pretty much nitpicked the hell of it and i'm sure there's gonna be other stuff i'm gonna forget but i feel like all my nitpicks are out there now and i think i've not trash the movie, but I, I I picked on the movie enough. Now I I want to take the opportunity to like really like again I want to put this where I really love the movie again. I love the story arcs and everything. I already got into that, but I love that that White House fight, that yeah. White House action scene, um with her teaming up with Steve and and fight you know squaring up against Kristen Wiig. There, I that was awesome. I really loved that. The whole White House setting almost felt like. You know, I'm getting flashbacks to X-Men where Nightcrawler's in the in the in the White House. Yeah. This had almost like that same magnitude but better. I really loved that. That was such a great action scene and a really great um setting and environment. Um that was I loved it. I, that might have been my favorite part of the movie, honestly, was that action scene alone there in the White House. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I I'm a, I'm sort of of two minds with the action scenes, like both the, the White House scene and the uh, the mall fight scene. I think that the way that uh, Gal Gadot commits to uh, her level of fighting, it seems like what she's you know the way that she's coming across in this movie versus the very first one is a much more confident, a much more experienced Wonder Woman. Yeah. Who's, you know, using the tools that are at her disposal much more effectively, you know, much more, you know, in a much more interesting manner, which to me is truer to the comic. Yeah. The other side of that is that I thought that some of that wire work looked a little unrealistic and, and it kind of took me out of it. Like, particularly like when the characters are being thrown and someone's yeah. falling, like the angles in which they're falling just seem a little unnatural. And the speed in which people are being thrown across a room just didn't seem 
um, it didn't it didn't work for me the same that it the same way that it did in the 2017 movie or in any of the yeah. other DCEU movies. And I don't know why it would be different here. But yeah, like for whatever reason, that kind of took me out of those scenes. Well, to, to counter everything that you just said here, in the first movie and in uh, Batman v Superman, we see Diana fight with the sword and shield. At yeah. least this movie, we see her do more lasso fighting. Yes. Because in my mind, it was it was always the lasso. I mean, right. yeah, she's got the sword, especially in the new 52. It was always the sword, more so the sword, sword and shield. Right. But at least in this movie, we get more lasso action. And that's what I appreciate about this movie more. This is what kind of what made the movie I like more than the other depictions of Wonder Woman in, in, the, in the first film and Batman v Superman. We see more lasso action. Not that mm -hmm. she didn't use the lasso in the other movies I just mentioned, but there's more lasso. It's more prominent in this film. And I really right. appreciate that. And I actually did like the uh, what was it? It was it Cairo, the 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 Cairo act, the where they're in Egypt, where they're the, the car yeah, chase there. Yeah, they were in Cairo. I thought those that was cool too. But again, it's just you know, I just like I said, there was more lasso in this movie, and that's one thing I appreciated more. I, I probably should have mentioned that in the in the spoiler freeze. There's more lasso action that you know that we you know that we get now with the Snyder cut coming out. Maybe we'll get more lasso action then. But at least, if, but if we don't, at least Wonder Woman 84 is the movie that gives us Wonder Woman in her lasso and it's all its glory. Yeah, and that part I do agree with. I mean, a big part of the comics is that, you know, they sort of do a lot with the lasso of Hestia. And it's not just like this sort of lasso of truth that we saw like in the TV show and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it has multiple uses. It allows you to see things. Um, you know, you can use it to defend, you can use it to travel. There's like all these different things that it does for Diana. And um, I like that they incorporated a lot of that in this movie where we hadn't seen that in previous iterations of the character. Yeah, um, that, that's basically all I got. I mean, so, uh, before we wrap this up in the bow, uh, let's get into that uh, that mid credit scene. Right. Um, I, like when the, once the credits start rolling, the first thing I thought was, "Man, why didn't Linda Carter have a cameo?" <laughs> <laughs> and then boom! <laughs> yeah, so, I knew that but, she would. I knew yeah. that she would just based off of social media because she was promoting Wonder Woman eighty four hard. Like I actually um, follow her on Facebook and mm -hmm. like. I was seeing tons of like Wonder Woman 84 stuff from her. And I was like, she's gotta be in the movie. Like at some at some point, she's gotta have yeah. some cameo. And I knew that she would. So but but when the credits rolled, did you did you think the same thing? Like, oh man, it would be really great if we get a cameo from yeah. and then but we and then also we and then we did, and it was really right. cool. By the way, I'm gonna say this again, Linda Cart, she looks fantastic. I mean, it was, it was, I was I was happy to see her and and it was really great. And she's like, Oh yeah, I've been doing this a long time, and da da da. It's like I loved it. It put a smile yeah. on my face. I, I that that's good. It's good fan service for those diehard Wonder Woman fans and those diehard and the Linda Carter fans. Like mm -hmm. it was a really really nice touch that they, they that they did it. Again, I'm kind of bummed out that there was nothing in there that's gonna move the story forward. You know, I was kind of hoping for like a Legion of Doom Easter egg or something. I didn't get that, but it was nice. Again, it was a nice touch seeing Linda Carter and that small little, you know, appearance there. It, it was, it was really refreshing to see. It really was. It did. It put a smile on my face. 
Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Like I said, I'm, you know, I grew up with the original Wonder Woman TV series. Mm -hmm. She was actually the first superhero that I ever saw on TV. Like, uh, you know, the, the show came out, I believe in 1975, I was four years old. And so seeing her on TV, you know, and then later seeing like the Super Friends cartoon and some yeah. of the other things before I actually got into comic books, um, that was really my gateway into this, into this entire thing. And so um, to see like one of my very first TV heroes and really my first like TV crush <laughs> on, oh, yeah. on uh, you know, in the post credit scene was, was great. It was a nice wrapping of the bow for this film, I thought. Yeah, it was, it really was. I give this movie a solid 7.5 out of 10. I think what the saving grace of this movie was, again, there's stuff that we complained about. The performances alone from, from Gal Gadot, Kristen Wiig, Pedro Pascal, again, Chris Pine again delivers. Patty Jenkins is great behind the camera. I feel like that was like really this movie's saving grace is you have a great cast, great performances all around. It's just there's problems here and there that bug the hell out of me. But I really felt like we needed this movie. We never really got, a, I mean, Tenet tried, but we never got a true blockbuster this year. This was a great Christmas present from the movie gods, to say the least. And again, I enjoyed this movie and I, I definitely plan on rewatching it. I cannot wait to our Wonder Woman 84 watch party on January 14th with Dion McGill of Off the Beaten Podcast and voice actor Matthew Farden. And we can definitely, really, definitely really get into it. I'm hoping we'll catch stuff that we didn't catch the first time. And uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be really fun to really chop it up and get into it during the movie for sure right. and hope, hope a lot of people can definitely join us on that absolutely uh i'm gonna give this movie a solid seven out of ten and for anybody who reads my written reviews on uh, facebook uh, i normally grade those on an a through f uh i'm gonna give this a b minus um yeah for me this movie it, it delivered uh it was you know a solid movie as far as action as far as superhero movies it gave me um you know almost everything that i could expect but um it to me it just really didn't measure up to um the the, the first wonder woman movie from patty jenkins in terms of its its range of of emotion in terms of the overall um story uh you know it just to me it wasn't it didn't have that same strength level but I will say this, I mean, that movie was very hard to top. And so, yeah. you know, you got to kind of take that into account as well. And so, you know, while I didn't think it was great, I really did think it was very good. And I would still recommend for anybody who hasn't seen this movie to go ahead and check it out on HBO Max. Absolutely. So that being said, uh, we before we go, we ask you to pre please like, comment, subscribe, ring that bell, spread that shit like Slipha. So to you, I say from Louisville to Syracuse, to you know, all of our friends and fans around the world at nerd cage live enjoy life stay safe and good night sayonara Ooh, trying to get out of the nerd cage are you well before you go hit that subscribe button and if you're really intrigued ring that bell thank you for dropping by until next time Tell everyone you know about Nerd Cage Live! Ah! <laughs> <laughs>